Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. It's marriage hour today on Trending. Is your marriage struggling? Are you dating and trying to navigate those waters? Joining me today is a licensed marriage and family therapist, Joe Sakura, here to take your questions about dating relationships marriage maybe you are in the early years of your marriage maybe you have children or later on in life and need a little bit of a tune-up that's what licensed marriage and family therapist joseph core is here for so what's your question what are you struggling with in your relationship the number is 888-914-9149 we're going to discuss facing adversity in your marriage also later in the show we're going to discuss how to love your spouse more how to not just help them feel loved, but know they're loved. And also, did you hear the news about the Golden Bachelor? 71-year-old man who is widowed, was married for 43 years, is the new contestant. It's a plot twist. I'm hearing people who have never watched The Bachelor plan to. I'm curious. I don't plan on watching it, but I have a few thoughts and would love to hear from you. The number is 888-914-9149 if you have a question about just working through your marriage or your relationship. Joe Sakura is here with me now to discuss facing adversity in our relationships. Joe, welcome back to Trending. That's so nice to be with you. And I love the fact, too, Tim Reed, that you're actually focusing on dating relationships. I, I actually, as a therapist right now, I'm working with some young people who are in that position, who are dating, finding it difficult, <laughs> wondering, hey, is this a red flag? Should I call this off? Is this something that I have to work through? So it's great that you're actually focusing on this because we can avoid a lot of problems down the road if we address them early on. You mentioned that you're working with couples before they get married. I think this is great. What are some of those red flags that people who are dating and discerning marriage should look out for and what's resolvable and what isn't? Well, you know, it's interesting and it's complicated. I don't want to oversimplify it, but when I'm thinking about some of the people that I'm working with, some of them are like they'd say, hey, wow, yeah, we're dating. I really like him or her, but I find myself really attracted to this other person and I find myself seeking out their attention. Now, that may or may not be a red flag about that relationship, but for sure it's a red flag that you have to look at within yourself. If there are some deep insecurities where you're constantly needing to seek out the attention of other people, that validation to feel good, then I'd say, hey, it's wonderful that you're seeing that, but maybe the focus is misplaced. Maybe you're looking at this other person and saying, well, this person's more attractive. Maybe that means it's a better relationship, or maybe it's time to look at your own life and see where those insecurities live and deal with those first because they will not go away even if you date or marry Mr. or Mrs. Perfect. <laughs> they, they will still exist, and you have to address those. 
Let's talk a little bit more on the early pre-marriage side. When you were mentioning that attraction sometimes to other people, I'm thinking of a family member who years ago I was in college. Uh, he was getting married, and he sent me a text message as we were just visiting briefly via text. And he said, hey, are there any girls that you'd be interested in setting me up with? And he was engaged at the time. I jaw just about dropped. I have so much respect for <laughs> this family member. And I go, wait, aren't you getting married in like six months? He goes, yeah, but you know, I just thought I'd keep my options open. You are going to Catholic school. My fiance is not Catholic. And I'm just kind of thinking about it. And it was a little shocking for me. And I think yeah. that with time, I'm not as surprised by the question. I think when people are getting married or discerning, there's always kind of this like, well, what if question what goes too far when you have that what if question or what about the other options yeah i well and i hope i i'm kind of curious did that person actually marry his fiance he married her they have many children and are very happy so that's a great caveat i'm glad you asked <laughs> to hear the rest of the story <laughs> okay that that's good news because i was actually going to say that isn't necessarily a deal breaker. You know, you would think, okay, that's not good. And obviously, I would say, look, if you're willing to say that in front of your fiance, hey, I really love you. I'm planning on getting married, but I'm, I'm still open <laughs> to the possibility of other people. <laughs> that would probably end the relationship. But <laughs> again, there are a lot of things that even when we are married, we think are deal breakers and they are not. Uh, but a lot of things are deal breakers. I think the biggest thing that we have to look at is, you know, what are we doing to constantly nurture this relationship? The confusing thing is when you're young and you're at your peak physical condition and, you know, looking great and sounding great and life is hopeful and you've got the future ahead of you, it's kind of easy to fall in love, quite honestly. The question is, you know, is this a person that you can work with, that you can live with, that you can compromise with, that you can sacrifice for? Because those are the traits that are going to go into enabling you to have a long-term relationship. Not just are you attracted now. There's a million billion people in the world. A lot of them are very attractive. But, you know, at some point you have to say, is this person committed? You know, can they commit to a relationship in the good times and the bad. And, and I think that's when it gets to be a struggle. That's Joe Sakura, licensed marriage and family therapist here on Trending. Joe, we're talking about adversity in dating, relationships. If you have a question, we'd love to give Catholic sound psychological advice from Joe Sakura. The number is 888-914-9149. Joe, what is the most common denominator with regard to mistakes and adversity within marriage? <laughs> Well, a lot of times, you know, a, a, there's, there's many. I, what is the top one? I'll, maybe I can think about what that is in a moment. But the thing that we have to guard against more than anything else is that drift apart. You know, we think because we've chosen the right person. And frequently, there's no doubt you have chosen the right person. Uh, but you think that's enough. That if we just, you know, we, we said, well, do, I do, you know, and that's enough. You have to actually constantly nurture that relationship. You know, you can never get away from doing those things that are going to strengthen it. For instance, it's a simple example. You know, if you are in really great shape, let's say when you're 20 years old, you can't say, well, wow, I'm in really great shape. I'm going to be in really great shape when I'm 40 years old. Well, no, not necessarily. Not if you don't work out, not if you don't move your body. 
And it's the same thing in a relationship. A lot of the mistakes that we fall into, particularly when we fall deeply in love, we experience that passionate love, you know, in the early phases of a relationship. Then when problems come up, we think to ourselves, well, I must have made a mistake. This must not be the right person for me because all of a sudden they've hurt my feelings or they've hurt me or they seem flawed in some way. And so we take our eye off that relationship, off that person, and we then begin to look for Mr. or Mrs. Perfect, you know, part two, <laughs> somebody else. And, and that's a giant mistake. You know, a lot of times what you have truly is enough to have a thriving life and a thriving marriage, but it's not without the work. So I would say that's one of the biggest mistakes because you've got to actually inoculate yourself against the distance that naturally creeps in. Just like if you do nothing physically with your body, you're in great shape. I don't care, five years, 10 years from now, you're not gonna be in great shape. And I think you gotta think about your relationship in the same way. So it sounds like distance and drifting apart is the common factor behind the adversity that occurs in many marriages. It's interesting because, Joe, a lot of people are living separate lives today. You know, one person has this job, the other person maybe has another job or is running around with the children. And this navigation, it's almost like two separate worlds. They collide for a few moments and parts of the day. And then they maybe spend a little extra time on the weekend and off to the next a week or two weeks or three. And time passes so fast. So what are key things to prevent that drifting apart from happening in your marriage? Well, I think that you have to do things to remind yourself, actually, why you love this person. I, I know it sounds funny, but a lot of times when we marry somebody, we look at all their admirable traits. Oh, they're very devout and faithful person. They want children. They're hardworking, et cetera, et cetera. And all these things are wonderful. But what happens, and I must say sometimes quite naturally, is with the years, you see that flaw in that person. And, and then that flaw grows. And then you see the other flaw. And rather than looking at what attracted you initially, all the true things that this person represented, you start seeing everything that is wrong with them. And then that squeezes out any love or admiration for those positive qualities that you have. So I think you have to remind yourself, you know, ask yourself, speak about what is good and right and beautiful in that other person. Just like in Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, he says, and I'm paraphrasing, whatever is true and noble and beautiful and right and things to praise, focus on these things. And I think those are beautiful words to apply to our life and to all of our relationships. Whatever is true and noble and good and beautiful, focus and see those things and speak about them with your spouse. We don't do this, though, Jolie. I'm just thinking about what you're saying. We don't take the time to pull back and admire those around us. Maybe in those early years of dating or the honeymoon phase of marriage, or maybe during those key moments when you just had a child, but life goes by, you don't think about it. And so it's almost as if there needs to be an exercise. The only one coming to my mind is to practice gratitude for your spouse and ponder those good moments throughout the day in prayer. What else would you recommend to actually go through this mental exercise? Because there's so much negativity that I think unless we're really intentional, it won't happen. Yeah, you're right. And I, I, although it's wonderful to pray for your spouse, I encourage you to do it. You should do it. I think you have to go further and actually speak about that. 
you can love your spouse or that other person, right? <laughs> uh, and, and you can love them, but they might not remember that you love them because you're not mm. doing your part by telling them what it is that you love about them. I, I sometimes, and this sounds kind of goofy, when couples come, and couples work is truly the most gratifying work that I do as a therapist and also the most difficult work that I do as a therapist, <laughs> you know? And, but, and sometimes couples will come in and they'll say, Joe, we're really at each other. Oh, this is wrong. This is wrong. And he did this and she does that. And I said, okay, I, I hear you. And we're going to talk about all those things, right? We're not going to cover them up. But I want to do something right now. I want to play a little game. I want you to turn to each other and oh, maybe even let's, you know, stretch it, hold hands while you do this, right? <laughs> well, I don't want to hold his hand. Ah, just do it. <laughs> and there's reasons why you do that. And I said, now I want you to just say, what I love about you is this, fill in the blank. What I love about you is this, or what I appreciate about you is this. And, and two things happen, which are quite powerful. One, the other person who is receiving the compliment feels really great. <laughs> they go, oh, wow, I didn't know that you actually loved me, that you appreciated this. And the person who is given the compliment actually is remembering what it is and why they love this person, why they want to work through the problems with this person. So I, I think to be very concrete about sharing what it is that you love about each other, there could be rituals, but I would far rather have a couple say, spend time speaking about what they love about the other person than engaging in the fight, which provides very little value. So that's just one idea. That's a Joe Sakura, licensed marriage and family therapist. Okay, my takeaway is work every day on intentionally saying what I love about you is fill in the blank and practicing that, doing it day to day, because I think that's a great takeaway uh, that we can use to work on overcoming that adversity and distance that creeps into marriage. Joe, coming up, you're going to be speaking at the Los Angeles Catholic Prayer Breakfast. I want to talk about that in just a moment. But if you're listening, it's our Marriage Hour, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist, Joe Sakura is here. Are you struggling in your marriage? Are you dating, discerning marriage? Now is your time to ask your question from a licensed marriage and family therapist who's Catholic, bringing a keen Catholic take on the sacrament of matrimony. Practical questions. Are you struggling with your kids? Are you angry at your spouse all the time, losing your patience? We'd love to hear from you. The number is 888-914-9149. What's going on in your marriage? Joe, I'm really excited about the Los Angeles Catholic Prayer Breakfast coming up with Archbishop Gomez, you are speaking at it next week. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? Yeah, it's a real honor. Uh, next Tuesday morning, the 19th, September 19th, um, they've started this a while back. I can't remember how long ago, but it's actually become a big deal here in Los Angeles. It's been, you know, sold out. Thousands of people actually show up at 630 in the morning to start with a rosary followed <laughs> by a mass. I know it's like, oh, that's going to be really hard for me, but I'm going to be there. And then they have a keynote speaker. And this year, that is me. And I just got word today that they are sold out. Mm. So it's a big deal. And I just thought, wow, that's really gratifying. I know they're not coming just to hear me. But the idea of so many Catholics coming together in this city and saying, standing up and saying, yes, we are Catholic. We're proud of it. We want to come together to pray, to support one another, to stand proudly and speak of our faith. I just think it's really amazing. So I, I'd love to see you. If you're, if you're listening now and you're there, please come up and say hi to me. 
you know, after the talk or whatever else, it'll be a, a really great event. And I think they're going to have my book there. Um, what was the name of book, the book I just wrote? Oh, yeah. The whole world. <laughs> <laughs> the whole world is going crazy, but you don't have to. Uh, scriptural and psychological healing. I think they're going to have it there and I can sign copies and whatnot. I was going to ask if you were signing copies. This is a great book. It came out this year. We've actually talked a lot about what you present in the book. And I love it because your whole theme of what you're talking about at the prayer breakfast and even your book, you help people in navigating those challenging moments in life. Whether today we're talking about marriage, adversity with your faith, the craziness of the world, you don't have to go crazy in the midst of what's happening. And that's a keen message with the mental health crisis crises that is occurring today. So if you want to learn more, I hear tickets are sold out. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you know someone who knows someone, but the Los Angeles Catholic Prayer Breakfast is coming up this Tuesday in Los Angeles, California with Archbishop Jose Gomez and Joe Secor is a keynote speaker. If you're struggling in your marriage, Give me a call if you are struggling with dating. Joe Secor is here. He's a therapist and gives a keen Catholic take to help you navigate your marriage. The number is 888 888- 914-9149. Or you can ask your question now on social media. I've thrown that question box up on Instagram. Just follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E, where I've also tagged Joe Sakura. We'll be right back here on Trending. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timmery on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Is your marriage or relationship struggling? Joe Sakura, marriage and family therapist, joins me today on Trending. He's also the book, the author of the book, The Whole World's Going Crazy, But You Don't Have To. We'll post a link to it in social media as well as the show notes. But lots of questions coming in. If you have one, the number is 888-914-9149. Let's see. Susan in Fremont, California. Welcome to Trending. What's your question today for Joe? Um. I just wonder if I married the wrong person. Ah, what makes well, you think you married the wrong <laughs> <yeah>. person? <laughs> Go ahead, Joe. <laughs> I know a lot of people yeah, no, great feel question. like that, but um, it's just that um, I think I wasn't really looking for the traits that I should have been looking for. And um, there were... Um, we, he and I, we, we weren't very pure before we got married. And I feel like that really, um, influenced the direction of our marriage. And let me ask, I, I, go ahead. Let me ask a couple of questions before you go in and I want you to continue and thank you for your call. But First is, how old were you when you got married? That's just a simple question. And the second one's a little bit more difficult. But what attracted you to each other? If I was to ask you, you know, what did you love about this person that actually encouraged you, you know, inspired you to say, yes, I do? What were those positive qualities? Well, I was, I was actually 30 when I got married. And, um, and then, um, the other thing, the other question was, um, I, he and I, I think we were both happy to find, uh, another person who actually believed in the Catholic faith and who practiced the Catholic faith. 
Um, and um, we we had a lot of agreement as far as the Catholic faith, although we I think we didn't carry it out very well <laughs> in our okay. lives. I think we didn't. Yeah. So you, if you were to live out your Catholic faith, and I'm not speaking about specific dogmas right now, but if you were to live out that faith that mm-hmm. Christ calls you to, to love the other person, mm-hmm. to serve, to sacrifice, all of that, what would that look like mm-hmm. right now? If you were to have a clean slate, and I said, okay, right now, tonight, you and your husband are going to start over, and you're going to live out your Catholic faith, what would you actually mm-hmm. do? Um, be kind and considerate and, um, you know, and sacrifice. Um, Mm -hmm. okay. I think that what, what, what would keep you from doing that starting right now to be kind, to be considerate Mm -hmm. and sacrifice if tonight when I'm just going to assume your husband's not Mm -hmm. with you right now, but let's say tonight over dinner. You were kind and you were considerate and you were sacrificial. What would that mm-hmm. look like? Um, just having a good attitude towards him, which I know I, I haven't had a lot of times in the past. Um, uh-huh. And just trying to actually serve him. Okay. You know, um, and if you were to have a good attitude, let's just press this down a little further. You're doing great. If you were to have a good mm-hmm. attitude, what would be some of the things that you would say or do? Be as specific as you can tonight. Um, I would be cheerful. I would, um, <clears throat> I would try to respond in positive ways to him. Um, um, and just try to actually make his life easier. Okay. Um, as a bold experiment, and, as a bold experiment, would you commit to doing exactly what you just said? And then mm-hmm. you can call Timory back tomorrow, the next day, and let her know how that goes. <laughs> just for, let's just say, mm-hmm. for five days straight, mm-hmm. I want you to do exactly mm-hmm. what you just said. Let go of the grievances mm-hmm. for a while. Let go of any resentment or anger that you have, right? I'm not saying ignore mm-hmm. it. Just let it go for now and just focus on mm-hmm. your side, being positive and considerate and appreciative. And then after this mm-hmm. five-day experiment, call back Timory and she'll let me know. She'll call me. <laughs> and I, I want to hear how that's changed things. Would you do that? Mm-hmm. Well, the only thing is, is we're actually separated. Okay. So, well, yeah. So I I don't see him often. Well, you could still do what you're saying, mm-hmm. e- even if you're separated. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I know you're mm-hmm. fired down the tracks, and I don't want to oversimplify it. I don't want to say, "Wow, this is the five miracle miracle day cure for your relationship." But if you were mm-hmm. positive and appreciative, one, it would make you feel better. There's no doubt about it. And it would make mm-hmm. him feel better. Now, where that leads, you can build on that. You could find a good therapist and say, okay, we've just about thrown it all away. Uh, but we've mm-hmm. decided to do this crazy thing and be really kind to each other <laughs> and, and see where that leads. You know, <laughs> what do you think, Mr. or Mrs. Therapist? Mm-hmm. Is there hope? 
That's what I would suggest. Mm-hmm. There are always going to be reasons, and you're, you're not alone in this. We can always say, well, it's too late, or he really he did this, or I did this. But we've got to get beyond the excuses. It, let me just share mm-hmm. one, one quote from Scripture with you, okay? And I'm not a big quoter, but I, mm-hmm. I, I love Scripture. John chapter 5, and maybe mm-hmm. you want to reflect on this. There mm-hmm. is a, a paraplegic. He was an invalid for 38 years. And, and Jesus saw him. He walked up to him. He was by the pool of Bethesda. And he asked him a question. Do you want to be healed? In other words, do you really want to change your life? And the man didn't Mm -hmm. respond with a a positive affirmative. Yes, I do. I want to change my life. He actually began with a bunch Mm -hmm. of excuses. He said, well, Mm -hmm. when the pool water gets stirred up, other people get in there sooner and I don't have anybody. You know, he was all about the excuses. And I think we've got to get beyond the excuses and focus on what God can do for you and your relationship. But you've got to cooperate with that grace. You've got to do your part. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, it does. Yeah. Oh, okay. Susan, this is beautiful. I can tell that by the fact you called that you care and you want to fix things. I think that's great news. And I'm learning from you. What a beautiful response that to change things, you can be cheerful. You can respond in positive ways and try to make life easier for your husband. I think that's a note out of your book that all wives can take as an example that we need that reminder. So I'm hopeful for you and Susan will be praying for you and for your husband here on Trending. Joining me now is licensed marriage and family therapist, Joe Scora. If your marriage, your relationship is struggling, you're discerning marriage, we would love to take your question from a Catholic perspective. The number is 888-914-9149. Anissa from Stockton, California is on the line and has a question for Joe. What's your question today? Hi. My question was that, okay, so I've been with my husband for 13 years. Well, we're not legally married, but we've been together 13 years. We have three children together. Um... We've been having this problem for a super long time. I've been working on my spiritual growth. We've been going to church every Sunday. And I try to go to church every Wednesday also. And we have this thing where we cannot agree on parenting. As in, if he's telling the children one thing and I feel like it's not right, the way he's telling them in the tone or the way, and I tell him to this day, if he can't change the way that he talks to them or... I, I'm totally with disciplining the kids and everything, just not in a certain way or what's being told. Or if it's like constant discipline. So we can never, so he talks about, well, we're going to have to go see a counselor because if we can't, mm-hmm. we can't fix this on our own, then we're going to have yes. to go see a therapist to figure this out to see who's the wrong one, who's the right one. Yeah, and so let me jump in here. Let's throw this toward Joe to understand correctly. You've been married 15 years. You have eight children, not married in the church, and you're struggling with how to discipline your children with your husband. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, go ahead, Joe. Thoughts here. First thing I'd say is don't have these disagreements in front of the children. It's it's a huge mistake that parents make when, you know, there's always going to be differences of opinion. Always, always, always. I mean, I remember when my children were newborn and my wife wanted to do one thing and I wanted to do the other. Mostly I wanted to sleep while she got up and changed diapers, but that's a different story. But <laughs> even, st- 
Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's <okay>. so relatable. <laughs> but my yeah, husband does yeah. not just sleep through the diapers. <laughs> I know. I know. It's a bad thing. And I feel guilty now. <laughs> but that being said, don't try to have these disciplined disagreements in front of your children. Talk about solutions. You probably want the same thing. In a sense, you want well-mannered, loving children. And, and sometimes we really do bring a different perspective. You know, I mean, men have one way of interacting and women have another way of interacting. And it's not about who's right or who's wrong. It's actually about bringing these complementary traits together and saying, how can we do this together? Look, I love the fact that somebody's saying, hey, maybe we need to go see a therapist. Uh, it, this is one of those things that you probably do need some help. But I think that the arguments that you're having over child discipline, my biggest concern is that it's going to drive the two of you apart. You're going to focus on that to the exclusion of everything else. And what a greater loss is going to be is if this marriage falls apart, if this union falls apart and these children no longer have a mommy and a daddy living in the same house, that's where they're going to really suffer. They can bear differences. They can, you know, you can make mistakes. Trust me, we all do as parents and not do things right. They can survive that. But it's far better that you find some amicable way to get along to parent, even if it's not perfect, than the alternative, which is to allow their relationship to dissolve completely. Your kids will do far worse under those circumstances. And is that any thoughts? Are you still with us? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, that's what that's one thing that we talk about. I tell them like that's just gonna drive us apart. After thirteen years, this is this this is what will tear us apart is the way that we can't parent. That's the only thing and it's sad to say that that's the only thing that is gonna drive us apart. I mean, hopefully not, praise to God that it does never does. But I've been working on a spiritual growth and I'm trying to tell him like there's ways of disciplining, like, you know, not all the time it has to be rowdy or loud, you know, like, you have to think about our mental health and, like, you know, our our brains pretty much, like, we can't always be, everybody just be yelling at the top of their lungs all the time, you know, we're not, you're not teaching the kids some, I, I've been working on a spiritual growth, so I kind of just walk away now, I let him do his job, which is, it does take away a, a little disagreement between me and him. Hmm. So, mm -hmm. I mean, Anissa, can I jump in here? Because I have a question for you. Are you Catholic? Yes. Yes, I you am are. Catholic. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, you mentioned you're not married in the church. Have you thought about bringing that marriage into the grace of the sacrament? I and mean, marriage is difficult. And praise God, it's a sacrament because I don't know what I do without the grace of the sacrament and marriage. Is this something you guys have discerned? Um, we do, but I don't. I don't know what is. I don't know what his plans are with that. Um, I would love to. I would. I'm so down for it. I would love to get married in a church. I'd love to have the grace of God in our marriage. But I don't know what his plan is. I don't know if that's what he wants. I don't. He doesn't talk to me about these things, so I don't know where he's at. He's have you asked really, him? He's a, have you asked I him? I do ask him, but he just does gives me like, oh well, we'll see, or we'll, we'll we gotta. We got to work on things or, I mean, but we don't, we don't ever talk about, oh, we're going to break nothing. You know, he, he's a beautiful man. He's there for me. He provides for his family. He's, you know, he's no infidelity issues, no, no other type of issues, but parenting. 
That's mm-hmm. the only thing in, in our relationship that is just making us have chaos is parents. Could I ask a question? You just said something really cool. You said, he's there for me. He's a great provider. He's there for the family. When's the last time that you've told him about all of the things he does right? I, we just started telling each other good things because we're both on a, on a sobriety path. He's on a sobriety path. He's not drinking anymore and not doing things that he was doing before. So he's just a hot, really good state of mind right now. So lately we've been saying, you know, we, you've been doing good. We've been doing good. We're on a good path to, to success, you know, like I just turned 30 last month and I'm like, you know, it's time to get, you know, things going, time to get on the, you know, start going to church, showing the kids go to church every Sunday and, you know, better things for our family as we grow. He's 32. I just turned 30. So we've been together 13 years. We were so young. We were together at a young age. So we kind of just like jumped mm-hmm. into parenting and being parents and, you know, and me stay at home for so long. That's a big thing too. I'm a stay at home mom. I don't work. So it's a lot of mental, mental problems on my side. And then I don't know what he does, but on his side, what his, how he grew up or something. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to fix, fix his brain. Well, that's not your job to fix his brain. You guys, you, you said you're on the sobriety path which I'm going to assume means something about 12-step. Uh, and I, ho- I hope so. I hope you're making use of it. It's a wonderful program, support. It's not the only way to get sober. But it really, 12 steps really encourage you to look at your life and what you're doing. And, and I think if you do that and the compliments that you talk about, like, hey, we can do this, speak about those things to each other. Be specific. I love the fact that you're willing to sacrifice, to go to work so that I can stay at home and be with the kids. There's things that are wrong, but you got to speak about the things that are right. And that's going to help you. That's really sober living. And I'll throw one thought in there. We are going to be praying for you, Anissa, and your marriage for healing, for sobriety, and for this marriage to be brought into the grace of the sacrament of matrimony. And maybe when talking to your husband, ask it from the perspective of because marriage is for the sake of children. And so ask it from the perspective, can we, what do you think about giving this gift to our children of this wonderful commitment you've made to me and our children? Let's make that commitment and that example of marriage for them, knowing that they are children within the context of a marriage. Like We want that protection and safety for them as a great gift. I encourage you to ask and ponder and pray for that. And Joe, I know maybe next couple of steps, would you recommend therapy as a helpful resource here? And where would yeah, you go? I think, yeah, I, yeah I, I do. I think so. I'm a believer in it. Obviously, finding the right person is important. But I want to say one final thing uh, about this, and this is such a wonderful call, and God bless you. I just, I, I do hope and pray for your success. But I want to give you a statistic. 69% of conflicts in a marriage never get resolved. That's like seven out of 10 things. <laughs> in other words, we never come to the place where we say, oh, yeah, we're in perfect agreement. The difference in successful couples is they learn how to navigate or negotiate that. They learn how to come back from conflict without it being, uh, you know, inflicting a mortal wound. So you can say, yeah, he wants to do this and I want to do this. And that's okay. It's not, the goal shouldn't be we have to come to some agreement on all these things because it won't happen. 
sometimes we just have to learn how to say, you know what, I can let this go. I'm not talking about suppressing things, but you know what, we can laugh about these differences and difficulties. You know, we can come together as a team and say, we don't know how we're going to survive this, but we're going to do it by the grace of God. So don't think just because there's conflict that it means you're the wrong person for each other. Great. We'll be praying for you, Anissa. We have more questions coming. I want to take two more here. If you're just joining me, that's licensed marriage and family therapist Joe Sakura here on Trending with Tim Marie on Relevant Radio. Two quick questions coming from Instagram. Gabby on Instagram is asking how to spice up intimacy in her marriage. Ooh, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> you know, I, I two things. One, uh, the power of touch is very, very important. Believe it or not, when we touch, when we just hold hands or hug or kiss, that skin-on-skin contact actually has a, a physiological response in our body. And it's not what I'm <laughs> you're thinking about. It lowers the stress level. You know, our cortisol levels actually lower with physical touch. And a lot of a lot of people, you know, we forget we get really busy and we forget the importance of just reaching out and holding hands or hugging or anything like that. So that would be the one thing because that physical touch is very, very important. The other thing I'd say, and you can combine this, is uh, sometimes we get bored, right? I'm not saying that's an excuse to divorce or anything, obviously. But as a couple, go do something new together. Go to a new restaurant. Go to a beach you've never gone to. Play a game, right? I mean, something like play in the water. <laughs> you know, play a game of basketball. It doesn't matter if you're good or bad. Have fun because that sense of having fun together, again, reminds you, oh, this person is connected with these positive things. This person brings me joy. This person brings me laughter. And those kinds of things can actually bring you closer together. I love it. Last question here for Joe Scoron trending. Okay, the question is from Ada on Instagram. Is there one thing that both can't, if there's one thing that both people can't compromise on, is it worth trying to continue in the relationship and move forward or move on? Well, I, is, do you think she's married or is she, she dating? I think dating, and I think it's one big thing that they can't come together on. Boy, I wish she was actually on the phone because I'd love to know what that is. Uh, there, there are, let me just say this, uh, you know, it, it really depends. Those main trait values, those things like, hey, you know, I want to have kids and you don't, <laughs> I would say that's probably a deal breaker, something like that. Or I believe in an open marriage. You believe in being <laughs> faithful. <laughs> that's a deal breaker, <laughs> right? Yes. Uh, so, but there are always going to be what we might call irreconcilable differences. You know, there are going to just be things like, you know, I love to do this and you love to do that. We can't, you know, you got to be able to compromise. I'd say with pretty much everything, you got to find some compromise unless it's really compromising your values. Then I'd say you can't do that. But everything else, I, I think this is a person, life is difficult and you got to be able to negotiate and navigate that. And the way to do that is with compromise. So if you can't compromise, I'd say that might be a deal breaker. Excellent. I think these are great resources and ways to navigate those adverse moments in marriage and dating to discern whether you should get married or how to stay in your marriage joyfully. Joe, 
Thank you for joining me. If you'll see him coming up at the Los Angeles Catholic Prayer Breakfast this coming Tuesday, September 19th, if you're in the area. Joe, where can people find you online as well? Uh, JoeSecora.com brings you to my website. And, um, you know, I have podcasts and visual podcasts on YouTube. I think you just Google my name and you'll find something. We'll <laughs> include a link. Good. Yes, he's got two excellent books I highly recommend. And again, his podcast is out there and available. So that's Joe Sikora, Joe, S-I-K-O-R-R-A dot com. We'll be right back here on Trending during our weekly marriage hour to discuss navigating more of the nitty gritty during marriage and how to meet that core need of a woman and needing to feel secure in her husband's love. talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Are you a fan of The Bachelor? Maybe you'll watch it this time. If we have time, I'll share my thoughts on the new season of The Bachelor. If not, we'll cover it tomorrow. Uh, but I do want to touch on this during our weekly marriage hour. Why it is so important to a woman in marriage that she knows she is loved. If you're married, this is so fundamental to your marriage. And it's a core need, really, for a woman. Someone recently asked me, what do you think a woman's core need is in marriage? I said, to know and feel she's loved. And those are two different things sometimes. And you can't necessarily fully help if someone uh, isn't getting at their love. There can be things in the way from past wounds that can get in the way of this and maybe therapy is necessary. Uh, as we were just talking to a licensed marriage and family therapist, Joe Sakura here on Trending. But what's fundamentally important, I think, hands-on approach is that a wife knows that she's loved and feels it. And those are two things. It's one thing to know and know it, and it's another thing to feel it. Practical, concrete things need to happen. And I think it's key to realize that through the instruction of the Holy Spirit, St. Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and laid down their lives. Christ laid down his life for the church. And this is the example that men have that it's never, not that it's never enough to love your wife, but you're supposed to love her to the point of utter and complete sacrifice. So that mission to continue to grow in marriage is there. And I think that that is so key when we talk about marriage and that core need that it's there. God intended and inspired that need to feel and know that she's loved just as a man has that core need to be respected and that, in fact, men equate being loved with being respected. But how do you do that? Well, I think it's important that we talk about the fact that love shouldn't have to be earned in marriage. It should be freely given. And this is key. You have to love your spouse even when she maybe doesn't necessarily act worthy of it. I think of St. John Chrysostom, and he even comments on that writing from St. Paul in Ephesians about how not only does St. Paul, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, say, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, but St. Paul also says that Jesus sanctified the church 
and cleansed her by the washing of the water. And that this idea from St. Paul is that St. John Chrysostom says that he didn't, God didn't abhor the ugliness of our sin because we are the church in our sinfulness. He didn't, he wasn't repulsed by her sin, by her faults, but instead he reshaped her, reformed her and remitted her sin. And that's the role of the husband, even in the midst of the imperfections and faults that as a husband, you still love your wife to the point of sacrificial love, enduring some of that difficulty. And St. John Chrysostom says, well, if you married a surly woman, you must reform her with gentleness and kindness as Christ did the church. So rejecting her, rebuking her, that isn't what fixes the challenges within marriage. What's at the core of meeting a woman's need is helping her to know she's loved and to feel loved. And so how can you do that concretely? Well, maybe start by asking your wife, Do you know that I love you? Is there anything I can do that makes you feel insecure with regard to my love? And don't be afraid to ask the question, but I challenge you, if you're going to ask this question, you need to zip your mouth and listen and ponder so that you can take action. Don't turn it into an argument. Mull it over, take it to prayer, sleep on it, ask follow-up questions, then make a plan and get to work. Because this is about meeting her core need of feeling loved. And maybe there's something that would mean a lot to her that you do that helps her to feel loved. Or maybe something's going on that's making her feel insecure. Love is an action. We're called to show it. I think our modern day mindset is very materialistic about love. It's a very visual. It's very much so about how much we can buy or what type of house can be provided. And all of those are good things, but that doesn't make a person feel secure. A woman feels secure in your love. It might make her feel provided for, but that's different. Providing for a woman's emotional needs are really important. And so maybe you're trying to figure out what that looks like. Maybe it's that it would make her feel really nice if you brought her flowers occasionally. Maybe you're on a budget, go and pick a flower and give her a single flower. Acts of service, maybe it's doing the dishes. Quality time, maybe she's trying to fold laundry and you can sit with her and spend that quality time while she folds laundry and help pair the socks and fold them. Maybe it's verbal affirmation. Start thanking her for things that you're thankful for, but you don't verbalize for making dinner. Maybe she cleaned the toilets for staying up all night feeding your children. Whatever that might be. You know your spouse the best, and you also know yourself the best, and those things that are going unspoken, unaddressed. Physical touch is another big one for women. Hold her hand in the car. Hug and kiss her when you come and go, even if you just run to the gas station real quick. And do it without expecting intimacy in return, sexual intimacy. I think that's key. Your wife isn't this a business transaction, this quid pro quo transaction. I know the question is, well, what should I expect if... I do these things to help make her feel secure in my love. Well, she's going to be more confident, more able to serve in her mission and give of herself. It's going to decrease her stress because when women are stressed, they carry it in their bodies. It impacts weight. It impacts fertility. It impacts how she interacts with you. I mean, this is so key. But again, we shouldn't just be looking at, well, what do I get out of it? What you get out of it is a happy wife. But if you have this mindset of treating your wife like a vending machine, taking a dollar, throwing the dollar in, getting some change back and still getting your M&Ms or chips, well, that's not how it works. What you're looking at is learning to love your wife unconditionally. That disinterested love 
where it's not self-interest as for the reason that you're loving, but it's disinterested for her sake and her sake alone. And I think that key part of it, when a woman feels secure in her husband's love, it frees her. It frees her in happiness to love and trust. And that's key. Depending on how you engage as a husband with other women who aren't your spouse, that can really damage damage a woman's love or, or feeling of being loved. I was talking to someone about this earlier today. You know, what can a man, what does a man need to make sure he doesn't do to make her feel insecure in love? Well, limit conversations with women, communication with women who aren't your spouse or immediate family. I think that's key. Don't spend alone time with women. And also protect yourself from anything that isn't something that could become something where you have a lot in common with someone and entertaining a friendship or conversation too much so could have a negative impact on that relationship. That is your marital relationship. Guard yourself before anything even becomes a problem. So I think these are some key takeaways. And again, what do you expect out of it? A happier, well-balanced, confident wife who's more free to give and more desirous in giving herself to her husband as well. I think this is a great question. I really loved it when I was pondering it earlier. Okay, here is the news about The Bachelor. Did you hear about The Golden Bachelor? Jerry Turner is the new Bachelor. He's 71 years old and on coming. He's a really good looking guy. He was married for 43 years and he's widowed now. His wife died and he is looking for love again. And I'm really riveted because a lot of people are talking about the new bachelor. Originally it wasn't really interesting to me, but then as people keep discussing, I've looked looked the story up. I think it's really pulling at the heartstrings of many people. This hope and idea of finding love again. I think people love this man. He was married for 43 years. They're actually bringing his two daughters and some of his granddaughters into the story. There are 22 women who will be competing for his affection. I was kind of interested to see the profiles of the women who are competing for his affection because all of them were defined according to their careers. Nothing was said of motherhood and their children. There was never this presentation of, oh, this woman was a stay-at-home mom. This woman is, you know, full-time grandmother. I was really intrigued that all of these women were very much so labeled by their careers. I think there's something fundamentally wrong with, with that. And because it's reducing women only to what they can produce in terms of the culture and not in terms of the value of the individual and her gifts, her motherhood. And I know some people say, well, you're just talking about how women produce children. Not all women have children. That's correct. But I did find it interesting that there wasn't a single woman so far in the run-up to the launch of The Golden Bachelor that they presented from that maternal perspective. So I think it's interesting. It puts a lot of pressure on women, especially as we're going into this golden bachelor season, that it also puts a lot of pressure on women to look hot and available as they've really done up these 22 women, which is great. It's wonderful to look beautiful. But I think that this could put a lot of additional pressure on beauty standards for all audiences and as we mature as women as well. So just some of my thoughts. If you're watching The Golden Bachelor launching next week, let me know your thoughts. This has been Trending with Timory. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have you been told you need a spiritual director? What does that look like? How do you find one? My guest Friday specializes in spiritual direction. She's going to tell us how to find a spiritual director, 
what spiritual direction should look like, how often you meet. So join me Friday, 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.